Resistor Sisters. Destroying the patriarchy one podcast at a time. I haven't accomplished anything alone, but I was fortunate to be part of a revived feminist movement. I think uh, anyone who's not a feminist is, is an insane person. This was not just a lewd conversation. This wasn't just locker room banter. This was a powerful individual speaking freely and openly about sexually predatory behavior. At a time when we have self-driving cars and computers that sit on your wrist, women still make only 79 cents for every dollar a man makes. And if I have to listen to one more gray-faced man with a $2 haircut explain to me what rape is, I'm gonna lose my mind. And now, Resistor Sisters. Number nine, number nine. That's right, it's March 21st, 2018, and this is the Suze from Cleveland, bringing you my resistor sister, Heidi in cold, cold Minneapolis. That's not that bad today. It's like 39. Good, good. But I, I, I tend to think it might be a little colder there than farther south in um, Washington, D.C., where rain is. Hi, Resistor Sisters. And uh, actually, Heidi's got a heat wave going on. Oh. <laughs> we're about 34 degrees, and we're going to plunge into a freeze tonight. Because we just you know, started spring. spring. We just started yeah, it's spring. spring. <laughs> Yay. Yeah. yeah. You know, I was going to tell you, in, Min- in Minnesota, it's kind of a joke, because March is, you know, everybody else is like, yay, spring, it's March. But usually, we get like one giant snow dump in this month at some point and like three days later it's 60 degrees so we're we haven't had that happen yet so it might not happen but when it does it's ugly (laughs) (laughs) well here we got our we got our second biggest snowstorm in no our our biggest snowstorm in two years wow at one point national airport they they were like oh four inches just, so it? it might be a little yeah, cold ridiculous. with a little snow this weekend and um just to give you a little spoilers at the end of the episode and if you if you follow us on twitter we're talking about march for your life this weekend on the 24th so maybe you'll be marching in a little bit of snow maybe oh, not. it's gone already it's gone already <laughs> see it'll be fine it'll be sunny my St. Patrick's Day, by the way, um, some friends and I went down to the parade, and it was really, it was fun. But um, that was like a drunken craziness, really. But um, You were drunk and crazy, or other people were drunk and crazy? Um, I was drunk and moderately tipsy, enjoying the company of other people, but other people were, <laughs> whoa, my gosh. I didn't know there were this many sheets to put to the wind, but... <laughs> It happens. But I was kind of like, look at you being young and scantily clad in the middle of downtown, (laughs) drunk in the middle of day. Good for you. Good for you. Look at you with all that green glitter all over your face. God love you. That's adorable. Yeah. the green glitter. A lot of I didn't do the green glitter. You know. Yeah, and to all of our listeners, happy belated St. Patrick's Day. Yeah. Exactly. Or St. Uro's Day, which is the day after St. Patrick's Day. What is it? St. Uro's Day. 
Um, but you guys have given me a lot of links, and I appreciate it. Yeah. Oh, that's coming up, isn't it, Heidi? Yeah, I don't know when that is. Arrow's Day, isn't that like the Catholic? I thought it was the day. I thought it was the day after. The only reason I even remember it was the Monday um, after. I, yeah, yeah, maybe that's it. I had a high school teacher that every freaking St. Patrick's Day would say, hey, by the way, and then he would go launch into this thing about St. Uro's Day, and all I remember was St. Uro like the color green and purple or something, so, so I don't know. like Greek Orthodox Easter? Perhaps. Uh, I, I think it's the be. Catholic St. Uro. It's the, Saint, it's the Catholic um, version of St. Patrick, right? That could that could be. I'm not Catholic. I'm a uh, um, tater tot hot dish Lutheran. So I, I'm not hot. Can we just queue up getting to know you? <laughs> I'm wait, Lutheran wait, too. Wait, wait, wait. Yeah. Well, I, let me let me getting let me to rephrase. know you. Getting to know all about you. Getting to like you. All right. <laughs> I I was gonna say I. I should be honest and say that I was at some point in my life a tater tot hot dish Lutheran. I am technically not any longer, but uh, I still am. I just don't practice. I mean, I liked Martin Luther. He really had a good drinking problem. <laughs> yeah, you know, when I was a kid, we would go to Sunday school and then there would be church afterward. And we always had a pastor that was a Vikings fan. So he timed his sermons to make sure that they were only 23 minutes long so everybody could get home in time for the kickoff. And I'm not even kidding. <laughs> Priorities, and then, man. Priorities. And then he was sick for like three weeks, and they had some other guy who didn't get the memo about <laughs> noon <laughs> and the kickoff thing, and so he'd just ramble on and people would leave. I mean, you know. Yeah. I, it's. <laughs> you know what? I'm pretty sure that when Martin Luther rambled on, everybody's like, dude, I'll talk to you next week. <laughs> You're hitting the mead. <laughs> the mead. Oh, oh yeah, the mead. So yeah, was he the... a power big guy? I can't remember how. When was he? Sixteen hundred. I, I, my religious history is really bad. What? Was when was he? Okay. Yeah, like, yeah. Who knows? Who cares? Seriously. <laughs> I'm just trying to think if he had a powdered wig or not. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm never mind. It, it doesn't matter. It was a long time ago. We'll hit yes, Wikipedia later. We'll find this out. <laughs> a lot of the links yeah. you guys are sending me, I'm really starting to realize, and you've really helped to educate me, the links between domestic violence and our recent gun problems in this country. And um, a lot of the people that... Um, what is it? We're, um, there's a lot of... The, the gun shootings are people that have been previously had domestic violence. Um, mass right. shooting. Right. Yeah, a lot of the mass shootings. <clears throat> so. It, it, it appears to me, and I don't have the stats, perhaps mm -hmm. Heidi does, but I it do. seems to me that like 95, maybe 90 percent of all mass shootings, when mm -hmm. you go to the shooter itself... There are some domestic violence issues. Some previous, right. you know, some, yes. some things yes. that have already happened. I do have the one list called domestic uh, guns and domestic violence. You guys want to hear that real quick? It's a quick sure. 
Okay. There is a very tight correlation between domestic violence and mass shootings. Cuomo says most of the worst mass shootings in the nation's history involve suspects with a record of domestic violence. The legislation he's proposing would require that anyone who is convicted of domestic violence crimes, including misdemeanors, surrender all firearms, both handguns and long guns. If there is a gun in the hands of an abuser in a domestic violence relationship, the victim is five times more likely to be killed. So that's that's really scary, you know, but it's an indicator. We can find out, you know, maybe this is part of the puzzle that we're putting together to to keep these mass shootings from happening, you know? Right. You know, with with the with the term mass shootings, a lot of people might not understand what that means. And use loosely, it means you kill at least three people. Um, that does not include yourself. And I do when I say it, the reason I'm bringing it up is some people assume that it means, you know, something that like happened at Orlando or something like that happened at uh, the Parkland High School, and it doesn't. It, it, it's usually, f- you know, family related. So it'll be a husband kills his wife and two kids, that type of thing, um, or three kids or four that kids. Would we be had one a mass shooting, right? Yes. Okay. Right. Absolutely. And we had one here, I think, two summers ago. A very rich, and when I say rich, the part of town that he lived in, they, it wasn't exactly gated, but if, you know, you just drove in there in your normal everyday car, you would have somebody on you going, why are you here? Yeah, yeah. Um, and he, the the guy had financial issues, and he killed himself, his wife, his three kids, um, and it was, and people were like, oh, that, I can't imagine this happening, and there was evidence that there was some sort of domestic violence in his past as well, that there was some um, verbal abuse kind of thing. And, and, you know, domestic violence can be everything from physical to mental to, um, you know, sexual abuse. I mean, there's, it kind of runs the gamut if you're um, a significant other is treating you poorly. And that could be, you know, telling you, you know, anything from telling you you're fat to telling you that you um, aren't worthy of that person. You know, there's so many ways to, to, you know, discuss that part of it. But, and it's basically about control, you know, it's about control. It's about, it's absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, and it's, so I'm going to tell just a little brief story which is not my story, but it's my husband's story. Sure. So my so my husband came from a family, and this is I'm mean, I'm telling this Heidi, story because Heidi, hold on one second. Sure, sure. As we go forward, I just want to put this out there for our listeners that from here on in, we may have some triggering moments. Mm-hmm. So just everybody be prepared. It it may not be like the ultimate trigger, but just right. I just want to put that out there so everybody is steeled in and prepared thanks ring because this mm-hmm. is this is probably gonna be a, this is probably going to be a little bit a little bit of a trigger so so my my in-laws so my my mother-in-law was married twice before she, the the gentleman she's married to now who, who's a fabulous guy her second marriage was to a gentleman named george i won't give last names or anything um he was 
um, a geologist in Utah, and he had serious mental issues. And shortly after, uh, I might get this wrong, but shortly after she had their first kid out out of two, he started to get physically abusive with her. Um, So my husband has PTSD, and he's had PTSD since he was about eight years old because he and his step-siblings would witness the fights and he would end up being the one cleaning the blood up off the floor. So, Rain, you could talk to David. I mean, he's really open to talking about it, but it's a very horrific kind of thing. And back that at that point, you really didn't call the police. And if you did, they'd ask things like, what did you do to make him mad? Um, This is a family issue, that type of thing. Um, So fast forward about, uh, let's see, uh, about, so in um, 1986, so that would have been eight years later, my husband was actually living with his father in California, and his two younger brothers, Jesse and Kevin, were living in um, Utah with his mother and, and stepfather. And it, he was escalating with, with my mother-in-law, and he was getting really, really insane, for lack of a better word. And she kind of saw the writing on the wall, grabbed the two kids one morning, and left. He came back home very shortly after, like, she fled. He came back shortly after, found her gone, went to her... Can I ask a question? Sure. This, this, and I think this question is going to be important going forward. Did, did Dave's, I can use his name, right? Absolutely. Um, did his, this is his mother or his stepmother? His, his uh, mother, his mom, his actual physical mom. Did she have a job? Yep. She worked okay. for the Bureau of Land Management, actually. Okay. Yes. That's very interesting, and I think that'll be good knowing going forward. Yes. So, yeah. So, she, I, I could, we could do a whole show on her as far as her education. <laughs> She's a very interesting woman. So, she grabbed her kids, or two kids she that were there. financial needs. Yes. That, that's what I'm getting at. Absolutely. She did. Um, she grabbed her two kids and fled. He found. He came home. He found them gone. She had not taken very much of their stuff, like literally clothes on their backs, a couple of toys, and out on in the car and gone. Yeah. He found that she was missing. He grabbed a shotgun, went to her work, took her boss and a coworker hostage. Oh, um, wow. And yep. and again, this is 1986, so not what would happen today. The cops got there, did not surround the building, and he fled into the mountains, which he was in the mountains for several hours, and then they found him with a self-inflicted gunshot wound. Um, But her her stories of what happened, and him and my husband's stories, um, and from my husband's point of view, he had um, stepbrothers, two stepbrothers at the time, and two younger brothers. So when the fights would start, they would, and it was a one story, you know, I mean, if you've ever been in the South, Southwest, you know what kind of houses I'm talking about. And him and his, bro- his stepbrother would open the windows, throw the two younger kids out of the windows. And it's again, one story. 
and they didn't know what's going on because they're too young to understand what they're hearing. They'd throw him on the ground outside, grab the other kid that was like eight, and they would all go to grandma's house, which was like half a mile away. Um, so it, this was a, a almost constant thing. Um, so when, whenever we speak or whenever somebody starts talking about domestic abuse, I always think of that before I think of my own for some reason. I don't know why. Probably because it's so much more horrific. Um, and the day that this happened was the, the day that the Challenger exploded. So that day, what January 21st, 1986. 86, I was think. The same, yeah. yeah, yeah. It was the same day that this all happened. Um, so that is, you know, if she had been at home, he would have killed her. I mean, there was no... He had already been saying that she was devil. She was a devil. Her kids were devil spawn. One of the reasons wow. Dave... Dave wasn't living there at the time was because he told um, his mother that he was going to kill him because he was the spawn of Satan. Oh my and my mother, his mother didn't tell Dave that until way later and got him out of there to dad's house in California. So, and you know, my, my, my uh, mother-in-law is extremely intelligent I mean, if you met her, you'd love her. She's fabulous. She's brilliant sure. in so many ways. Uh, educate, very educated. And she was educated at the time this occurred. Um, she doesn't fit the stereotype that most people think of when they I, think this. I, I need to jump in here. Sure. The yeah. stereotype there is something is that should yeah. not exist. Oh, I know. Uh, I, know. I, I, I mean that sincerely. Sure. Absolutely. Um, because you know when you when you said that he went, you said he went to her workplace. Yep. And the mm -hmm. cops did nothing. And this was in the eighties, right? Right. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. This was before. I mentioned this on previous episodes of our show, mm -hmm. and I will mention it again. In the eighties, in this, in the eighties was when we were just getting to a point where people started acknowledging domestic right. abuse. Mm -hmm. In the seventies, it was sort of like, oh. That what happens? did that woman oh, do? Yeah, yeah. That what did that woman right. do? Right. I, I, you know, what did you beat her? Was there she was just out of line? Blame. Yeah, there was a there was right. a lot of blame. There was a lot of confusion people had that they would be like, well, this that kind of person, you know, like when they would talk yeah. about it. So they wouldn't. Yeah. And I don't think yeah. mental illness had blossomed like it has no. now. You know what I mean? No, you didn't talk about it. You didn't talk about it. People didn't, I didn't, I don't think people were as violent. I don't know. But go on. You know. It, yeah, I, I don't it, know if they were as, I, no, I actually, maybe I mean, it's were, hard to, I, I mean, I think they were as violent. Maybe people just yeah. weren't talking about I just right. don't when think the violence that we, happened. Yeah. Right. So in the 70s and the 80s, we didn't have um, legislation to look into violence, into right. gun violence, yes. right. into domestic violence, and it you wasn't know, until it wasn't until what yeah. was it? In it, it was in the eighties, maybe the it was the eighties when it was Joe Biden. Well, do you remember the Domestic Violence Act? Yep, and do you remember as far as pop, pop culture? The Burning Bed with Farrah Fawcett, yes. which was actually based on a true story by about Francine Hughes. Yeah. Yes. Um, 
So that was my first... I mean, my, my parents weren't violent with each other. They argued, but it was normal arguments. Mine argued um, like crazy, crazy, crazy people, but it was all <laughs> verbal. All verbal. It was all like, yeah. la, 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 You know, like they didn't hit each other. <laughs> Thank God. Yeah, no. mine did not. Oh, yeah. yeah. Mine did not. I, I, mine yeah. did not. I mean, there were many, many nights where my mother was like, go to bed. <laughs> and we would go to bed and hear mom and dad arguing in in the living room. Mm. And it's really hard to go to sleep. When you're, you know, 14, I remember 15, when... And I'm going with 14, 15, and 16, because that was a very, very important time in my life. Knowing, and this this goes back to what Heidi was saying about Dave, because Dave had younger step-siblings. Step mm-hmm. um, I had two younger sisters. And they they would cry. Yeah. And we Oh, were, really? We were, That's interesting cuz okay. We were not allowed to get out of bed. We were we were told, hmm. "Don't get out of bed." But wow. you know, my, I had sisters who were crying. And How so I went to like I was the earliest I can remember. And this is really honest. The earliest I can remember is 14 because there are parts of my life that are completely blacked out. I have hmm. blacked them out. Where I would crawl into my sister's bedroom and be like, "Look here. Just, mm-hmm. Shh. Shh." Be quiet. Be quiet. Yeah. Don't cry because dad is going to come up here. And and my mother, who was not the abuser, mm-hmm. she was the abused. But my mother, because she was the abused, on certain occasions, she would come up and tell us to shut the hell up. Yeah. And, and literally, I mean, I, I'm not trying to... I swear to God, I hope my mom doesn't listen to this. <laughs> but no, no, it, this isn't even funny. I mean, it, it's no. kind of funny, but it's not meant to be funny. She would like smack us. Shut oh. up. You need to shut up because you don't want your father up here. Mm. Yeah. And in a bizarre way, she was, I mean, maybe I'm wrong, but it sounds like in a bizarre, not so great way, she was trying to protect in yeah, some weird way. Yeah, she was trying way. to protect us. Yeah. She was trying to protect us. All of it's wrong, but right. it was the way that my mom was trying to survive. And I just, I remember, and there are, there are so many other situations, but I just remember going into the, being the older sister, trying to emulate my mother to a certain extent, going in there and being like, you need to be quiet. You need to shut up Yeah, because you don't want dad and mom in here. Yeah, with 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 Dave. So, like I said, he has PTSD, which we didn't. Ironically, we didn't find out until after the suicide of my my brother in law, which was one of the kids that he would wow. take care of. Oh, um, Heidi, I didn't even put those two pieces together yeah, until just now. Yeah, that's how Heidi. Well, that's yeah. That's no. How you Heidi can tell. You I can met. tell the story. You can tell the story. That's fine. No, I don't have the story, but I just want to say that when Heidi and I first met in person. Is because she came to D.C. for a suicide. What was it? The march for prevention. Yeah, so we the march so, in the dark. Yeah, yeah. The so what we do or what what I've, I'm still doing is um, ad, I'm a suicide prevention and mental health advocate. After my brother-in-law died in 2011, so his. Um, his death anniversary is coming up on April 12th. So, um, but so we go to, or I've been to DC now three times. 
um, and we go to Capitol Hill. We talk to our um, representation in our state about mental health and um, uh, suicide prevention legislation to get stuff passed and um, that type of thing. It's it's very it's very interesting. It's very I don't know. It it makes me feel like I'm doing something because um, I we really needed to after Jesse died. But that was when Dave figured out a lot of the stuff. A lot of stuff after Jesse's death came back um, about what was what had happened to him as a kid. He was never beaten. His mother had never hit him. He was verbally abused a bit by by um, his stepdad. But realistically, the thing that really um, messed him up was seeing his mother get her ass kicked all the time and. Him having to, at eight years old, him and his other sibling, who was the same age, protect his brothers, get them out of the house, and then clean up afterward when the parents had went to bed or whatever. Um, there were guns in the house. There was, you know, there's always that possibility that that could have happened, that he just went absolutely apeshit. But it you know, it was a progression and it, and it was a, an ugly, I mean, she dealt, she dealt with it for, um, about eight years, eight, nine years before he left or before he killed himself. Um, but it's, you know, it's, and then you go back and his parents were abusive or his father was abusive to his mother and so on and so on. And it kind of, stepfather. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, when it, which is interesting, you know, Dave's never been abusive to me. You know, that's not a cycle that we've had to deal with. His brothers, um, one of the, I don't know about the two stepbrothers, because one of them is no longer with us, as in, you know, he's dead. And then the other one is kind of a dumbass. So I don't know what's going on with them. Um, but... You know, it's it's interesting when you kind of put everything together and when you um, look at it in such a... Because I'm not sure if, if when people talk about domestic violence, if they always remember that collateral damage. Um, what happened to his mother was horrific and awful and, and uncalled for and should have been... There should have been laws to help her. There should have been laws to make him stop, get him out of the house, get him in prison or get him somewhere so he um, couldn't do that any longer. But those, you know, I'm sure that every kid that saw that in that household is was messed up or is messed up in some way but about you know, it. Going back to what you just said about there should have been laws. There should have been laws. I'm not trying to make excuses for the past. No. Um... I think that, and and let's go back to the, let's go back to the idea that here we are talking about smashing the patriarchy. Okay. Right. Yes. Um, we're getting to a point now where yeah, there should have been laws, but there weren't laws because of many numbers of many many reasons. One, we didn't have as many women in Congress. We need more. Right. Um. And and quite honestly, I I'm still I still go back to, to to what you said, Heidi, about how the cops came to the workplace and they were like, yeah, okay, we're not going to do anything. 
So what we've seen since the 80s to to now, which is 30-something years later, it's more than 30 years later, um, I really do believe, because this is me, I'm the happy, clappy one. I try <laughs> to be optimistic. But uh, I, I think that we're seeing a shift, a, sh- a really shift in, in, in how we're thinking about this stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, like the clip we played earlier. Mm-hmm. And and in in Maryland, in Maryland, they're trying to strengthen a law. They're trying to strengthen a law that basically says if you're convicted of of domestic violence, you have to give up your guns. Yeah. Problem right. is in Maryland, in Maryland, there's no you know that's the law, that's great, but there's no enforcement behind it. Yeah. Right. Do, do you want to hear that Maryland um, gun law? Clip? It's it's up to you guys if you're ready for sure. it. Sure. 34 seconds. But yeah, I do want to throw in too, um, I think since the 80s and since years ago, we've studied domestic violence. You know what I mean? And we've yes. broken it down into manageable areas and talked about the things that happened, like the threats of violence and things like that. So it's, it's something we understand better than we used to. If that we've makes sense. A- actually, yeah. before we get to the clip, before we get to the clip, I think that since the 80s, we've actually acknowledged that domestic violence is a health threat on women. Yes, yes. Right. Yes. I came of age in the 80s. I was born in 1967. So, you know, mm-hmm. 77 before, I don't remember a lot of it, mm-hmm. except for what I learned from, you know, Gloria Steinem and, you know, sure. just so many other feminist people. But in the 80s, it seemed like, at least for me, Domestic violence became something that people needed to take a look at. In other words, it's not good that you're beating up your wife. Right. No, no, it's not. Well, finally, let me let me, let me um, put the do the Maryland governor thing real quick. It's tragic. Um, our our hearts um, are broken, and we're extremely saddened. And our thoughts and prayers are always with um, the victims, all of the students and their families. Um, you know, no parent should ever have to um, worry about when they send their kids off in the morning to school whether they're going to come home safely or not and uh, we need more than prayers um, I want to thank these first responders and law enforcement officers for the job they did but we need more we've got to take action um, we've got one of the um, most aggressive school safety plans in America that we introduced several weeks ago as emergency legislation in Annapolis and the legislatures failed to take action on Okay, so that's just a real quick. Um, but that's that's another thing that, um, you know, we, we didn't have that many helplines. During the times when these things were happening, there weren't as many helplines. There weren't as many, you know, like right now I'm going to tweet on the Resistor Sisters um, Twitter, you know, that um, the domestic violence support line. We didn't specifically have those things, you know, back then, right? When we were growing up, when we were growing up, we didn't. Yeah, yeah. So, I think we we did like a little, maybe towards the late '80s. They had first call for help. They maybe they had domestic violence, and maybe they did. But so, it was it was beginning, you know. That's what I'm saying. Here, here in Minneapolis, so here in Minneapolis, starting about oh, when did I start it? Uh, about 
Mm-hmm. I'm trying to think when I started to do some volunteer work. Uh, I uh, 88, 89-ish. Um, so we have the Domestic Violence Center here, the Domestic Abuse Project. We had a couple of those. Um, we had a... Um, I, there was a rape hotline that I was sure. a 24-hour hotline that I um, volunteered at. This this is back in the day when you had a pager the size of a <laughs> Buick strapped to your side, and um, that's how you got your calls because that was the only way that you you know. So uh, yeah, that's fun, and you you couldn't leave your house, and you so you're you have an eight nine hour shift. You can't leave your house because you have to be near a phone. Um, so that was fun, uh, but you know, the, the thing, it, it's slowly changing. And I, when I, when I say that I, I, I have, I only disagree with rain in a very small bit. And that is, yes, I think it's gotten better. We, we acknowledge the importance of dealing with domestic violence, but in a practical world, and I don't know what how practical or what happens if so what i mean by that is if i get off this podcast right now call 911 and say my husband's kicking my butt mm-hmm. what do they do do and i and i fought back do they arrest us both do does what happens so they arrest us we both post bail and we leave what well- what I don't happens. know where we disagree on that. No, no. What I what I meant was is is uh, what, what I mean does what happens with you know with with the family. I mean, is it is it that incident happens? We go our separate ways, and the cops are like, "Up, oh, it's up to you guys to figure it out." I mean, where do they go at this point in time if that happens? You know, do they? I mean. You're you know, saying I, if, that, you, if you um, try to de-escalate the matter by calling the police and you say you both hit each other, do you both go to, do you both get... Right, because I mean, right, because I know that there was at least at, at some point in the 90s and the early 2000s where if the cops came to someone's house and there had been a domestic and, you know, the two people had hit each other and there was proof, so... I have a bloody nose. He has a bloody mm-hmm. nose. Yeah. We both get arrested for whatever for third degree assault. So you're saying, um, which doesn't help the police situation. Need to come in. No. Police need to come in, which they do need to come in, and they need to assess the situation. And most likely, both sides do it, right? Well, which you know, I mean, what? I mean, I don't know where we. I don't. I maybe I said yeah, maybe, I don't I mean, disagree with anything that you're saying. Oh, okay. okay. I I had that happen to my parents. Yeah. Mm. I had yeah. that happen to my parents. Yeah. In in June of 1985. Mm. And it was it was I know we have to go to break in a few minutes, but Yeah, we do. It was <laughs> it was it was a situation where my father put a gun to my mother's head. Oh, Jesus. And um, the phone was turned off in the house. There was no way I could make an outgoing phone call. My two sisters were on vacation on Long Island. Mm. I tried to pick up the phone, tried to make an outgoing phone call. Couldn't. Got the... And thank God, this is the story. I know I've said it before, but I think it's really worth repeating. Um, 
it just so happened that a friend of the family, a friend of my mother's called. And Barb was like, hey, what's going on? And where's your mother? And I was trying to keep myself as calm as I could. And I said, I can't talk to you, but I need you to call the police right now. Wow. And so the police showed up. Mm-hmm. It's good that they didn't hear you. Well, they were busy arguing in the living room. Sure. And I know that sounds flippant. But here's, you know, has anybody ever seen scary. the movie? You said it was, it was terrifying. It was going to And that's if you've the ever right seen... thing to do. Go ahead. Yeah. The movie Platoon is one of those movies that triggers me. Like there's a certain mm-hmm. scene in Platoon where everything's blowing up. And I feel like that was what was happening at that point. Wow. So the police showed up and they were questioning my mother and they were questioning my father. And my father decided to have my mother arrested. And my mother, you know, mm-hmm. she was like, well. Why is, what, why? And so she kind of decided I'm going to have him arrested. And I was sitting there. I remember sitting there on like one of those 1970s colonial (laughs) raggedy ass couch couches, freaking Mm -hmm. out. Because if my parents went to jail, my father at one point said that he wanted to have me arrested too. If I went to jail, if I went to jail, I was going to lose my scholarship to college. I freaked out. Mm-hmm. The cops had their hands tied. They had to take my parents away. I was freaking out. I, I, I was screaming. I was crying. I was I was seventeen. Oh God! And um, he 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 smacked me. He he literally and I don't blame him. Like yeah, it's kind of abusive, but at a certain point, he smacked me to get me out of my hysteria. And he looked at me and he said, you are not going to jail. I'm going to make sure of this. Wow. And so I watched my parents drive away that night. So it, it goes back to, and I didn't go to jail. That's good. I ended up homeless for a few weeks, which yeah. I'm okay. But um, it, it does go to the fact that... it. The idea when you have domestic violence situations where women call law enforcement and suddenly on the scene, literally on the scene, both sides need to present their defense and police officers need to make a decision about that. I have a problem with that. Right. Yeah. I mean, because... You know, you know, there's always those situations where and and I lived in an apartment building. There was a couple that lived down the down the hallway every Friday night. They would drink whatever they were drinking and they would get drunk and fight with each other. And they were both screaming and hollering and they, they were both hitting each other. And you could hear them. You could literally hear them hitting each other. And they were freaking, you know, now, in a case like that, is that domestic violence or is that just two people that are that should never have alcohol running through their their veins because it makes them idiots? Yeah. Now, and that, and could that's something the escalate? That's what I mean. I'm could saying, something like, escalate? Yeah. I mean, there's always need, that possibility. We need possibility. to go to break, but like that's why I'm <clears> I've got the um, I forget. I think it was you, Rain, that gave me the Leslie Morgan Steiner. Um, information and she talks about the different stages and the different stages you know of domestic violence and i think that's that's important to talk about like 
she talks about, you know, when the the threats first happen and, um, you know, the most dangerous times in a domestic violence thing. So, yeah, we'll listen Great. to that when we come back. But, yeah, it, it is it's it's hard to make that decision if it's just arguing or if it's but, you know, w- lines are crossed when people hit each other. Lines are crossed. Right. You know, right. you don't hit people. Yeah, I mean, yeah. And then, yeah. I mean, that's. I mean, you know, part of me thinks if I was a cop, how would I deal with that situation where they're both drunk and being idiots? But then you have to think, what if it escalates one day and those two drunken fools that are are every Friday night are, you know, getting thrown in the drunk tank? What happens when one of them does something? So they both need help um, for domestic violence and for alcoholism. But of course, what do police do? Um, and is but there I a law say that something. I, protects I, I gotta that? Say, I really want to say this because mm-hmm. I'm not trying to um, I'm not trying to push your debate that, that, that point of discussion away. In the end, in the end, can we all agree that women are way, way more the victims of domestic violence oh, sure. than two drunk people arguing on a Friday night? Sure. Right. No. Well, I mean, the the drunk people in question are were a man and a woman, not two men. But yeah, I get. Yeah. yeah. No, I, I'm talking about women, though. I mean, it, it's just, and hopefully in our next segment we'll talk more about how women are more. They're the targets. Yeah, I have some they're statistics to back that up. Yeah. Absolutely. Good, because yeah. statistics are good to listen to. Because I'm, I'm just thinking. I know of like two incidences. Where the man was the one that was being hit. And, you know, tons of incidences where the woman's being hit. So, you know, but statistics yeah, will keep this things on dismiss the... men, but yeah. come on, we're resistor sisters. Yeah. <laughs> I, I want to talk about women. Domestic right. violence is something that affects women, definitely. And we will talk about that when we come right back. Okay? Can we agree on that? <laughs> Absolutely. All Yay. right. Here we go. You're listening to Resistor Sisters. Remember what De Beaufrois wrote in Le Deuxième Sex? The concept of woman is a myth invented to oppress us. Man, you guys are so smart. Oops, I just called you guys guys. Sorry. And can I say man? Boy, this is hard. Now I said boy. Oh, brother, help me. Don't touch that dial. We'll be right back with Resistor Sisters. Hi, this is Tim Coromall from The Tim Coromall Show, and you are listening to IndieMediaWeekly.com. Extraterrestrial radio, all the power without the tower. Well, hello there. This is Kenny Pick. Thanks for listening to Indie Media Weekly. Be sure to check out my show, Turn Up the Night with Kenny Pick, live every Tuesday and Friday from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern, right here on Indie Media Weekly. For those who dare... I'm Rick Beatty. And I'm Nick Sadler. And I am Jody Hamilton. We are From the Bunker. So we do a one-hour weekly podcast. Where we get to speak our mind about stuff from a liberal perspective. We will be on Indie Media Weekly Saturdays at 5 p.m. Eastern. We are so excited. If you don't have any right-wing friends, you'll feel at home with us. From the Bunker. With Jody Hamilton. Nick Sadler. And Richard Beatty. On Indie Media Weekly Saturdays at 5 p.m. Eastern. Thank <laughs> you. 
This is Adam Hebert. On every episode of My Check Radio, me and my co-hosts are not only committed to telling you about the latest political news, but also about the latest nerd news as well. Whether it's the latest scientific discovery, the new season of anime, the ending of a cherished manga, or the latest in comics, television, or movies, my show is guaranteed to bring you something that will make your inner nerd go squee! So be sure to tune in to Mike Check Radio with Adam Hebert live every Saturday night, 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern, only on Indie Media Weekly. IndieMediaWeekly.com. Extraterrestrial Radio, all the power without the tower. Get ready for the fastest two hours in radio. Listen to Paul's Memory Bank live every Monday from 8 to 10 p.m. Eastern, right here on Indie Media Weekly. Your DJ, Paul, will serve up a mix of classic rock, pop, and novelty music all tied together with a weekly theme. That's Paul's Memory Bank, every Monday from 8 to 10 p.m. Eastern, exclusively on Indie Media Weekly. Extraterrestrial Radio, all the power without the tower. Hey, this is Brad Friedman from bradblog.com and the Bradcast, heard right here on Indie Media Weekly. Thanks for supporting truly independent media right here on Indie Media Weekly. Light out, everybody. Every Sunday and Monday at 10.30 p.m. Eastern, Indie Media Weekly presents the Sci-Fi Double Feature with two old-time radio shows from the science fiction and horror genre. The Sci-Fi Double Feature every Sunday and Monday at 10.30 p.m. Eastern right here on Indie Media Weekly. <laughs> this is Indie Media Weekly, extraterrestrial radio, all the power without the tower. Resistor Sisters. Destroying the patriarchy one podcast at a time. Hello, we've returned to you. The Resistor Sisters have come back after a little break. And um, very serious, very serious topics today about domestic violence. But I was telling Rain and Heidi, um, I found something that made me laugh. And um, I wanted to share it. a little Let's palate see. cleanser today. A little palate cleanser, yeah, definitely. Yes. <laughs> um, it's about one of our favorite things. There's no sun up in the sky, stormy weather. That's right. Stormy Daniels <laughs> is in the news sometimes. <laughs> And um, so I was watching this, you know, and we're in that weird period where she hasn't come forward with the crazy information that Donald Trump has been keeping her quiet about. You know, this is 2018, March. Later, we'll listen to this and think, what the heck was happening? Who cares? Um, But (laughs) so anyway, someone was in an interview and they were talking about their friend, Stormy Daniels. And they said, well, in 2006... She was doing a movie walk-in on Forty-Year-Old Virgin. Who's the actor? Steve. Um, Carell. Steve Carell. Steve Carell. Carell. Yes, I wasn't sure. Yeah. I I knew I'd say that wrong. Ken always says it. Also played Jesus. 
Yeah. <laughs> but um from the office. He's hilarious on the office. Yeah, he is. Oh, he makes me too awkward. I can't watch some of those. Like it's just like, oh man, awkward comedy. But anyway, so 40-year-old virgin was funny. It was awkward com- comedy. But um Stormy Daniels did a walk in and people in porn were excited cuz she got an actual role. Um but mm-hmm. Ken was able to find the audio clip from when she walks in so there once again there's some real swearing in here but this is uh she's a figment of his imagination what the fuck are you talking about real swearing there's well listen <laughs> listen to this i want to have sex with you i want you to touch my breast this is my left one andy and this is my right one and you could have them both and this is my vagina. You shouldn't be afraid, Andy. It's just a body part. Elbow, vagina. Elbow, vagina. And you better not fuck it up, Andy, because I swear to God, I'll kick the shit out of you if you don't make me come. Don't piss me off. I am a porn star, a trained professional, and I will accept no less than the best. Do you hear me? I am literally pussy on a pedestal. Elbow, I vagina. I love Stormy Daniels. Elbow, vagina. So- Freaking hilarious. Oh my god. Oh, it's so wrong. (laughs) Elbow vagina. I need to cut out that part. No, that part's the best. Well no, I need to cut it out so I can just play elbow vagina. Oh I don't know under what circumstance, but elbow vagina. Am I I the only one who who (laughs) loves the fact that she refuses to be slut shamed? Yeah, oh, yeah, I, I do like that about her. I do. It's it's. She's like, I, she's out of fucks to give. She's like, look, this is me. This is yeah. yeah. Oh, and if I think wasn't Rain, wasn't it you that said to what look up, look her up on Twitter, which I did, and oh, did she you? just lets the throw the the, the the trolls get. I mean, <laughs> they'll oh, say yeah. something, and she, she responds. She really, she has no more vaginas to give. No, none. <laughs> I, I'm just I'm just getting rid of the fucks. Let's just go with this. She has no more vaginas to give. <laughs> <laughs> she's hilarious. And yeah, and she's quick and she's smart. And her and her attorney, I I love her attorney. <laughs> oh my god. I did not know that she was in the 40-year-old virgin. Me neither. That's amazing. I just, like I said, I was listening to an interview and this other porn star was giving these details about the night she hooked up with Trump. And uh, oh, how they were calling that her. I questioned that. Yeah. And, uh, well, the night Stormy hooked up with Trump. And um, how she yes. was in 40-Year-Old <laughs> Virgin. And I'm thinking, you know, I've watched 40-Year-Old Virgin twice. Why don't I remember this walk-in? So I don't know if it was in the movie or not. But I'll keep it in case you ever want to hear that again. Because <laughs> you guys. So I'm on, um, I'm on the Resistor Sisters Twitter, which everyone should follow, by the way. Is she um, Stormy Daniels or? Yeah, she's Stormy S- Daniels. Let me see. Um, There's something Army else. Spaniels. Uh, let me see. Uh, Stormy, Stormy. Where is Stormy? Is it? Is, uh, it, a, is it the picture see, that says uh, XXX film star or the one? I yes, that would to. probably. Let me see. You know, Stor- I, at Stormy Daniels. Oh, is I'm just having a quick thought here. A really quick thought, and I don't mm-hmm. know. Yes, what. that's her. I don't know what her personal life is. I know that she did go through a bad divorce. Yes. Um, but the thing is, is that when I look at women like Stormy, she doesn't have a, like I said, a vagina to give. <laughs> well, she's really, she's really strong 
and and she refuses to be slut shamed. Right. And um, I appreciate that too. I do too. Yeah, if you if you go through her tweets, it's people saying like you got paid for this, you did this, you did that, and you know, or one called her like a, a has been uh, porn star, and she's like, dude, I just won awards. What the fuck? <laughs> but doesn't, like, literally, doesn't, I just won won awards. Doesn't the way people are treating her kind of go back to the thing that we're talking about on the show? Mm-hmm. Yes, like these are men who are just trying to abuse a woman online. Right. Yeah. And she's out of, she's like, screw you. I'm coming right. And she does. Yeah. That's so. And so I'm just going to, maybe we should come up with this in the future, but this week I'm going to call her the resistor sister of the week. Yes. I love that idea. A resistor sister of the week. (laughs) I love that. That's perfect. I think, I think we're learning tools. To fight the patriarch and sh- patriarchy and shamelessness might be a very important tool to fight the patriarchy. Yes, yes. So it should be in in your arsenal of tools. So that's exciting, but yeah, like like I said, I um when we were talking about domestic violence earlier, and um, you guys sent me the uh, Leslie Morgan Steiner TED Talk. Um, let's see. Yes. I do want to, and you know what, I'm going to tell you, like, like I said, um, there was this thing she was talking to about leaving, and she was saying that um, people use the, the tag, why doesn't she just leave, you know, and, and she does talk about that a little bit, and I found that very educational, because I have been guilty of saying that to people, like, in that situation, like, why don't you leave, here's where you could go, and she kind of explains that. And talks about why it's dangerous. So I'm just going to play that real I quick. Can, it is a longer I'm play. glad you're going to okay? do that because this is something I really identified with for yeah. I think it's pretty long, educational. Long so we can talk about that afterwards. Here you go. I was mistaken in thinking that I was unique and alone in this situation. One in three American women experiences domestic violence or stalking at some point in her life. And the CDC reports that 15 million children are abused every year. 15 million. So actually, I was in very good company. Back to my question. Why did I stay? The answer is easy. I didn't know he was abusing me. Even though he held those loaded guns to my head, pushed me downstairs, threatened to kill our dog, pulled the key out of the car ignition as I drove down the highway, poured coffee grinds on my head as I dressed for a job interview. I never once thought of myself as a battered wife. Instead, I was a very strong woman in love with a deeply troubled man, and I was the only person on earth who could help Connor face his demons. The other question everybody asks is, why doesn't she just leave? Why didn't I walk out? I could have left any time. To me, this is the saddest and most painful question that people ask. Because we victims know something you usually don't. It's incredibly dangerous to leave an abuser. Because the final step in the domestic violence pattern is kill her. Over 70% of domestic violence murders happen after the victim has ended the relationship. 
after she's gotten out, because then the abuser has nothing left to lose. Other outcomes include long-term stalking, even after the abuser remarries, denial of financial resources, and manipulation of the family court system to terrify the victim and her children, who are regularly forced by family court judges to spend unsupervised time with the man who beat their mother. And still we ask, why doesn't she just leave? I was able to leave because of one final sadistic beating that broke through my denial. I realized that the man who I loved so much was gonna kill me if I let him. So I broke the silence. I told everyone. So that was a little See, bit that stuff. makes, this is hard. Yeah, it is mm -hmm. hard. It's hard. It's really hard to listen to. Yeah, I listened it to it when it first came out and, and when Heidi said, let's talk about this, I listened to it again and it's still really, really hard because um, it, this is why my mother didn't want to leave my father. Yeah. Right. Right. And it, it's I, good yeah, that I, she's talking about it because there are definitely, you know, things that... You know, when when she talks about the threat of violence, I, I think I really that struck a chord with me because I think that people threaten before they do, you know, so. Right. I mean, she she said 70 percent of um, women who are murdered by their significant other are murdered after they leave. Really? Well, yeah, wow. here here I'm in Virginia, but up in Maryland. A few months ago, there was there was a woman. I can't remember her name off the top of my head because I didn't do all my proper research. But she was she was a teacher. She was a teacher. She was a high school teacher and a very yeah. very loved high school teacher. She went missing, and she went missing. And and her students they put out they put out videos on Twitter and oh, Facebook no. saying, "Please come home." Oh God! And and she was found dead. And here's here's the other thing about this. This story is really horrible, but it's important to to understand. She was pregnant when she went missing. Oh God, that's awful. And so they found her. She was shot in the back of her head. Oh. And the police did their investigation, and it turned out it was her boyfriend who killed her. And when I say her boyfriend, it should have been her ex-boyfriend. Sure. Because she was trying to leave him. And every time she left him, she went back to him. Yeah. And was I know that's really hard to hear, but when we talk about guns and domestic violence, it, there's so many levels of this. There are so many levels of this. But in this particular situation, she was trying to leave an abusive boyfriend. And she actually, couldn't. Actually, I think I know this. Wasn't she found in a field? Yes. And that's how they figured out it was him? Yes. Yes. Yeah. And he was a... He... Wasn't that the one, too, where his parents knew it was him, had talked to the cops, and yes. were forced yes. to have him yes. you know, be at, like, the funeral, and he didn't know that they knew that it was him, and they no, had to be nice to him? I'm, that part I'm not sure about. Okay. Oh, wow. That part I'm not sure about. 
but but the bottom line is that she was trying to leave. And and time and time again, it's it's really frustrating to hear. And it goes back to the the you know the audio that j- we just heard about. She wanted to leave. She wanted to leave, and she finally got to a point where she could leave. And that's when too um, many women don't have that option. Right. Too many women don't have that option, and that was why way way early on in the show, I asked about Dave's mom. And I asked she had her, options. Yeah, did she, she mean, have her own? You know, did she have her own ability to earn money? And this teacher, she was an educator. But there are too many women who are in a situation where they don't have their own income. They don't have their own way to say, I'm going to get my kids and I'm going to get out of here because they can't afford to. And this is, this is a really, this is a societal problem that we have. Mm-hmm. Oh, it is. And ultimately, I really do believe this. We talked a little bit about, um, we talked a little bit about restraining orders and and what we need, what we really need in this country is when a woman asks for a restraining order, we need to make it less, we need to make it easier for them. Sure. We need to make it easier for women to get restraining orders and stop worrying so much about what the man is going to suffer. Mm-hmm. Give them the restraining order and then the next step, the next step, the restraining order is put out there. And then go to the guy and say, give us your guns. Because yeah. then let the Justice Department take care of it. Let, let, when I say the Justice Department, I mean, you know, state, local, right. whatever. <clears throat> let, let that take care of itself. Get the guns out of the hands of the guys who have been accused of, of beating women and abusing women. And you right. guys were giving me lots of links Um about how the in domestic violence cases the police can go to the house if they know that they have um, guns and stuff they, like that in different cases but you know put that in on some yeah, in, in some in some states but states. i don't know how often that occurs i mean that's what they're trying to do here in maryland in maryland basically the law here in maryland mm-hmm. let me say here because i'm not living in maryland yet but I, oh. I'm hoping to move there. But the law in Maryland mm-hmm. says... It, that was a precursor. Are, that was nice. <laughs> nice. But okay. if you are convicted, if you're convicted of domestic violence, you have to turn in your guns. Yeah. So right now, um, the Maryland state legislature is actually trying to strengthen that law. that says that if there is a restraining order against you, you got to turn in your guns. Yeah. Nice. But, but, but I have only one issue with that, and here's my only issue, is that, well, I don't have any guns. I mean, what's stopping the guy from saying I don't have any guns? To that's pop- that's part of the law, actually. That's part of the law that they're trying to get passed. Okay. That really is. I, I don't, I've got it kind of in front of me. Mm-hmm. But part of that, part of that is that, yeah, they can lie. The same way they can lie sure. about it in Florida. They right. can lie, but... Th- the thing is that there's a difference between Maryland and Florida. Florida oh, yeah. doesn't have really good gun laws. Maryland does. Right. Maryland has banned a whole bunch of shit, and they want everything registered. So in Maryland, and I think I think Connecticut's like this too. 
but in Maryland, yeah, you can lie, but they're going to find you because the state's got a gun registry. Mm, interesting. Florida well, doesn't. Okay. Yeah, and, that, that, and see, a that's gun registry is a good tool, right? Yeah. Yes. Very good tool. Uh, so did you... Do more for women who yeah. are in situations where they're being abused. Because way too often, women who are abused, who happen to be living in a household with a man with a gun, mm-hmm. right? they're in a lot of danger. So how long has this law been going, the, 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 the one that's there now, how long has that been in place? Or Which, is it with the, with the um, yeah, they have to take the guns if, he's, if he or she is, has a restraining order. How long has that been in place? Are you talking about Maryland? Yeah. They're still trying to, they're still trying to they're get that. They're still trying down. to do that. Because I would be interested to know the statistics after they put it into place, how much their domestic violence, murders, and other types of crimes that are similar go down mm-hmm. after that happened. I mean, I would really like to know all the statistics from one to the other. Um, and, you know, you know, Rain, one of the things that, I don't know why this made me think of this, but one of the things with domestic violence is people... Uh, People have there's more domestic violence when uh, there is economic strife. So in times like 2007, 2008, 2009, when we were having the economic collapse, yeah. if you take a look at most states, you will see those types of crimes escalate, and then they go down as you know as the economic situation changes for the better. Um, which is an in, in, and that's typically for middle class, middle class, not the poor. So if you are middle class or upper middle class, and you lose your job, now you start taking it out on that, you know, that's your spouse or your significant other. Mm-hmm. Um, so that is, it's it's interesting to know that there are those patterns. Um, I'm kind of a statistics. It's I don't like math, but I like statistics um, because so, it's it's interesting because you can see that you can see that there's uh, there's patterns in this, but can behavior the, be pretri- predicted. But well, can it be foreseen? Problem, I think the issue is is that it is a silent issue, so. A lot of people, a lot of women don't talk about it. You don't know that your neighbor every day that your, her husband comes home, he's kicking her ass because you don't yeah. see the bruises. Well, I um, think that's why it's important that we're talking about this tonight. Right. And she does, you know, she knows where to get help, but it's that first step. Um, you know, one of the things when when I was on the um, the rape crisis hotline is one of the things that we were taught was... When you speak to someone about what happened to them and you in your head are like, oh, my God, you got to go to the cops because you were just raped by your next door neighbor or whatever. You can't do that. You have to ask them, what do you want to do? Yeah, because they had they have been in a in a powerless situation and you have to give them the power back. Well, so, yeah. yeah, when you're in that domestic violence situation, hearing someone say, "Well, why don't you just leave?" 
is not what you say, but you help strengthen that person so they can leave, whatever that might be. Um, I I was in an abusive relationship for about nine months. Mm -hmm. I was in my early 20s. um, And it started slowly. It was not, you know, if he hurt me the first day we met, I would have never dated him. Most of those kind of relationships do, though, right? Right. And he, you know, he ingrained himself into my life. And I didn't realize what was happening until it was too late. You know, we were dating for two months. And then suddenly he's like, oh, um, they're raising the rent in my apartment. And I have to be out in three weeks. Can I move in with you? And I'm like, sure, whatever. That's that's great. Then we can split the rent and whatever. And little did I know that wasn't going to happen because he was going to quit his job and sit home all day and if I didn't come home at exactly the time that he thought I should be coming home I would you know he would hit me um it it, there's a snowstorm and he has a car and I don't I ask him to come pick me up and nope not going to do that either but you know I was to do everything and I was to you know so there was you know, don't, you know, my, I would talk to my mom almost every, almost every other day at that time. And he's like, why are you calling, you know, just stop, you know, that's just stupid. Why are you calling your mom? And I'm like, it's my mother. I'm going to continue to call her no matter what the, pretty much what the fuck you say. Um, and so it was one of the, you know, he was trying to control every aspect of my life. And, and it was he was constant- trying to isolate you. Right, he was trying to isolate mm-hmm. me. Didn't want, you know, and why are you talking to that girl? And what is she yeah. doing? And why are you doing that? And wh- why why were you 20 minutes late for work? Well, I was on the bus and it was a freaking disaster day. You know, what am I supposed to? Well, you were with somebody, weren't you? And then I, you know, and all these culminating things. And, and beware of a man that doesn't like any of your friends. Right. And beware yeah, of anybody. You know, if you are close to your family and your significant mm-hmm. other doesn't like your family or not not even doesn't like your family, but tells you you shouldn't spend time with your yeah. family. Tells you, tries uh, to get you away from them, tries to isolate you. That's creepy. Right. That's creepy shit. And so it was a constant, you know, this was, this was you know, we were together a year and it was finally the last day. I can't even, I couldn't even tell you what the, what the issues were. I can't even tell, I couldn't even tell you what the hell was going on. But you but, got out. But yeah, so he, he decided to start, you know, just, he was hitting me and punching me and throwing me down and throwing me into walls and the whole thing. And I, he, I got into the bathroom with the phone and the way the phone was in the bath, in the, in that house or that apartment building Every room, every every apartment had a phone jack in the bathroom. So the phone was actually in the bathroom. Don't ask me why. So you could have the thing. It was all out. But whatever. Maybe we should have that again. Yeah. yeah. So if I called phone. a friend. This is, this is, I called a friend of mine that lived close because he and I had talked. And I, and he said, you call me if. when it gets too bad. And I said, Okay. And so I called his number and he answered and I'm, I said, help me. And I hung up and then I called 911. Mm-hmm. So, and my friend, because fucking uh, Minneapolis cops suck. I, I, <laughs> Sorry. I, I, I'm, I'm prefacing this, but please understand that I was I like, in, you know, in my bad, early twenties. But- 
Yeah. But so it's all good. I, you'll, you'll see what I mean when I when they come. So my oh, friend no. beat them by 15 minutes. Sure. Oh wow. Um and so he came and he had a hockey stick. And he's Minneapolis. He, hey. And the best part is he's African American with a hockey stick. So yeah. So he 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 got him on the wall with the hockey stick around his neck. Oh wow. And he's like you're gonna fucking leave and don't ever come back. And he was like threatening him and the whole thing. Um, but the thing is, he's not stupid. He didn't leave a mark. It would have been a he said, he said, there would have been nothing. Sure, yeah. So I'm but, bleeding. Yeah, that's, I'm taking like, a, that's taking a knife to a gunfight, right? When you bring a hockey stick to a guy's house that has well, guns. Oh, no, he didn't have guns, luckily. Oh, good, good. He didn't good. have guns. No, no, okay. he didn't have I guns. Said, no, right. I, no, no. If he had, I would have thrown the damn things out the window. But so, so my friend stopped him, got him out, and then the cops show up. I'm bleeding. My friend's there, and he and um, they have the guy outside. You know, my soon-to-be ex outside. And the guy, the cop, comes up, and he's like, "Well, what ha- what happened?" And I explain. He's like, "Well, what did you do? Why did you piss him off?" And I'm like, "What the fuck? I didn't. What are you talking about?" And and he's like, well, he's saying that you're having an affair with this guy. And I'm like, I've never, we're friends. He came and actually saved my life tonight, you fucking bastard. I was so pissed. Who cares if he, even if you were having an affair, what the right. hell does that have to do with criminal blood? Right. So this is why That's I said crazy. what I said. So this is again. I mean, I I'm trying to. Why would a man be if your friend and help you? He obviously is right. sleeping with you. Right. Right. Well, that's what my boyfriend was alleging. Yeah. My well, boyfriend no, was I mean, alleging that I I was getting. He hit me because I was having sex with this guy, which was not the case. It was the case later, but not then. <laughs> but I'm just I'm just oh. I'm just trying well, to. It like, doesn't matter. I mean, that was yeah. slut shaming. It was. Well, and I wasn't even being a slut, so it wasn't. <laughs> even if you were but, being a slut, I know. he has no right to hit you. You know no, what I, I mean? Exactly. No, so that's still thought. guy, and, and he's like, well, we'll have him not come back. And I'm like, well, my name is on the lease, not his. And he's getting the fuck out because he's not yeah. coming back into my house. And so I took all of his stuff in a bag, in a garbage bag, and dumped it at three stories out of the house in the back with go. it open. And go. I took his pretty little gray cat, the only thing that actually breathed that he cared about, and I brought the cat, I gave the cat to the cop, and I said, this is his cat. And mm-hmm. the cop said, well, where's his stuff? I said, I threw it out the window. I'm not, fuck him, you know? He can mm-hmm. pick up his shit next to the garbage can. So... And the guy was like, well, that wasn't very nice. I'm like, are you, yeah, go fuck yourself. So, you know, that's, you know, in, in a nutshell, that was the basic story. But so the, the, why doesn't she leave always triggers me. It's and true. I don't mean triggers. I don't mean triggers as in, you know, a terrifying, horrible thing and going through my head, but it always just, you know, I just always had this sense of rage whenever I hear it. You're having a reaction. Right. Yeah. 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 I guess that is a trigger, right? I always think of trigger as in a sad, horrible reaction. And that's not what my reaction is. It could trigger you to cry. It could trigger you to be angry. It could trigger you to laugh. 
to set set something on fire. Or which just I did says, not do. don't set anything on fire, Heidi. Please. <laughs> yeah, no, no. You're making me no. nervous, Heidi. No, you know, I mean, I could have set his shit on fire when I threw it out the window. I but mean, you didn't, and it was, I appreciate that. No. But <laughs> I did not. even though it was, yeah, years the ago. idea, the idea of trigger. Yeah, <laughs> the idea of trigger is just to trigger something that upsets you. Right. Did you did you ever really? see him again though? Did he ever so come? funny you should say that. So he calls yeah. me a late. A I gotta about know a how this ends. <laughs> so he calls me about a week later, right? And I had been my yeah. my friend Max, the guy who pretty much saved my life because God only knows what would have happened. Thank God for um, Max. So. We've been taught. We've been talking like he, you know, about it. He's like, "Are you okay? Is everything fine? Whatever." And then I was at a friend. I had moved with a f- couple of different friends into an apartment. Like it was, it had worked out because our lease had been up. I don't know how this happened, but our lease was up three days later. I found an apartment. I moved, and I don't know how he found out where I went or what our apart, what our phone number was because I I was not on the phone at that time. And he calls and he asks to speak to me and they didn't know who he was um, because they hadn't ever seen him. <clears throat> and he's like, you know, I'm really sorry. But you know, he's like, hi, I'm really sorry. I really love you, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, what the fuck are you calling me for? Are you kidding me? <laughs> I'm like, you, what the fuck? And he's like, well, well I really love you. I want to make it up to you. I'm like, yeah, you make it up to me by never fucking calling me again. That's because if you right. do fucking call me. I, I, I don't know. I, I became... I became like a mobster, and I don't know where that came you. from because for you. But my my you friends who were, who were sitting there were like, "Who the fuck was that on the phone?" You just became because I just went. I was like, "If you ever come around, if I see your fucking ass, I'm gonna have somebody kick. I'm gonna have somebody kill you and put you in the goddamn river." And I just went all just just. I don't know where the hell that came from at that time in my life, but I just went like, you fucking talk to me again. You come near me. I have people, and those people will find you and hunt you down and kill you. And that's what like, if you think about me, if you think about me, and he's like, well, you're a crazy bitch, and I'm like, you better fucking believe it. Don't even fucking come near me. I'm gonna fucking kick your ass. I'm gonna kill you. See, and why am I laughing at you? <laughs> I'm just like sorry. I'm just I, like I, I yeah. Look you. at you. Fuck off. I, I swear. I swear to you. I don't know where that came from because I was um probably I, I was having like smart. time. I was problem sleeping. I the yeah. the first two nights after that I slept at Max's apartment. He had a studio, so he mm-hmm. he, sl- he literally slept on the floor, and I took his his bed. And I, I, you know, I'm like, I can't go back there. He actually went with a friend of his who was armed and got my shit, all of my shit, um, because he, we, they didn't know if he was going to, that guy, you know, my ex was going to show up. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, so it was, and he brought my stuff to his place and he moved me into the new place and the whole thing. I mean, sure. um, but yeah, so I, I was. But that's the thing, like, you talked, that's why I think that was a good way for you to end things, because you talked about it with people, and you weren't ashamed, Mm -hmm. and you had a good front to him, you know, like, we're done with this, we're not playing around, and, um, and I never saw him again, I never saw him again, I never had anything, you know, so, just jump in, can I, can I, I want to jump in, jump in, jump, jump, jumping in, jump, jump. Here's the thing. I, I 
I'm really happy how that ended up for you, Heidi. But that doesn't happen with a lot no, of women. It no, it doesn't always. I was and, so lucky. And yeah, amazingly I, lucky. Yeah. And this is why um, states like Maryland right now and Connecticut. I know, I'm going back to nerdy stuff. but um, hey, go back. I like nerdy stuff. States that are trying to make sure that people who are accused of domestic violence don't get guns. Yes. Um, here, there's from re, re why I can't I can't do our rewire rewire re news right rewire news. Um, it's it, here's one paragraph, and I think this is important. I think it goes back to the bigger the bigger thing that we're talking about. Um, a deep blue state, Maryland, with some of the strongest gun legislation in the nation, already prohibits domestic abusers from having guns if they are subject to a final protective order or are convicted of a, of a disqualifying domestic violence crime. Although state law requires, although, yeah, although state law requires prohibited abusers under protective, I'm so sorry, I read too fast, <laughs> um, to turn in their guns while orders are in place, there's no such requirement for convicted abusers, a problem the two bills would fix mm. so you know going back to what you know we were talking about um we need to do more because what heidi went through she protected herself mm -hmm. what we need what we need are state laws to protect women so heidi and women like heidi don't have to go through that right well not everybody can stand up and say Hey you, um, no, they, you know what I they mean. Can't. They can't. It's it's hard. Right. It's hard. It's very. And I I know a lot of friends, and I'm not like this because I like conflict. Um, but I have a lot of friends that are like I avoid conflict. I hate conflict. I don't stand up for myself, and I'm like, well, you know, that could really hurt you in life. But at the same time, it's very hard for them to stand up for themselves like that. So it's great that you did that. You know, um, what. What um, we need laws to help we do. give the ability to women to stand yeah. up for themselves. Laws, yeah. literally. And um, another way that um, the I'm going back to you. You sent me this clip, but the um, the Leslie Morgan Steiner, the TED Talk. She talks about how um, she ended her abuse. She had the book called Crazy Love. You know, you guys told me about this, but um, she talks about how she ended her problems. So I'm going to play that real quick because I think that's some good information too. Okay? By breaking the silence. I'm still breaking the silence today. It's my way of helping other victims. And it's my final request of you. Talk about what you heard here. Abuse thrives only in silence. You have the power to end domestic violence simply by shining a spotlight on it. We victims need everyone. We need every one of you to understand the secrets of domestic violence. Show abuse the light of day by talking about it with your children, your coworkers, your friends and family. Recast survivors as wonderful, lovable people with full futures. Recognize the early signs of violence and conscientiously intervene, de-escalate it, 
show victims a safe way out. Together, we can make our beds, our dinner tables, and our families the safe and peaceful oases they should be. Thank you. But um, yeah, like like I said, Amen. I think that's part of the reason why domestic violence gets such a bad rap. Well, people are ashamed. Under, yeah, pushed under the table I mean, because if you've got the people that are stigma. saying no, it's not happening. Um, if if you've got a you know someone that's bruised up and they're saying I fell down, they're pretending it's not happening. Everyone's pretending it's not happening. That's why it's sad. So if people come out and they talk about it, then there's not the well, shame, right? I mean, there's a, there's a I, stigma. I want to say thank you, you know. to Heidi tonight for sharing huh. Dave's story yeah. and for sharing her story. Oh. And I'm going to thank myself for sharing my story. Your story is very. Your story. Your story scares me. No, it shouldn't uh, in scare different you. Where, in different no. ways than than my my story, my husband's story. In, in that, no. see, we shouldn't. Here's the thing, Heidi. Heidi, we shouldn't put our stories on different levels of what's more scary and what's what's more disturbing. Oh, they're all I disturbing. I really <laughs> feel that way. I really feel strongly about that. Um. So we had a really important show tonight, and and what's you know that clip that Sue's just played is important. We need to talk about it. Mm-hmm. Yes, we need yes. to talk about it and, and not, not be, be afraid to talk it. about it and not yes. be ashamed. <clears throat> right. I mean, you know, for me, thank you, Sue's. The the first time I ever talked about what happened to me was in front of 25 people uh, in oh. a class. Wow. It was a domestic, it was a, it was a um, sociology class, and they talked about things like domestic violence, child abuse, and that kind of thing, and I just poured it out without tears, matter-of-factly, the whole thing. And afterward, my professor was like, that was amazing. Like that, mm-hmm. and, you know, this was early 90s is when this happened so I uh, when when I talked about it it had been years it'd been like two three years after that happened to me that I was I was able that was the first time I told anybody I had and it was strangers that I told I didn't tell anybody that knew me Um, and in fact it's really you know Dave knows because he knows everything about me but there's very he's your husband and I know Right. Um, but there's very few people that know that story um, because it is, there is shame. Um, there's shame that, oh, how the hell did I let it go so long? Why didn't I see those signs? Why did I... And, and, and realistically, everybody's going to have that thought process, but it's I, sh- I know that I shouldn't because I didn't do anything wrong. He did. But it's still that thought where I thought I was smarter than that. I thought, and it and it has nothing to do with being smart. Um, the uh, Leslie, the lady who you just had the clip with, she, I, I think if I remember correctly, she was an investment banker on Wall Street or she went to uh, Harvard Law School or Harvard Business School. So she's no dummy. Um, and well, it happened to her. I'm gonna, I know we have to end this show, but... That was one thing. When I first saw that a couple of months ago when this came mm-hmm. out, I need to say this. And I, I'm not trying to dismiss her, but I felt like when she said that, because she is from a 
place of privilege. Right. The thing is, she's from a place of privilege. Right. And right. and we need as women to start looking at women who are not from a place of privilege and understand where they're coming from. Right. I, I hope I'm understanding. I, I yeah. really want I mean, because I'm my talking po- my about white privilege. I really right. am. Right. I mean, my point was that there was, you know, and, and remember, this is the late '80s when this happened to me. It was there was there was a point where, oh, domestic violence—that's something that happens to poor poor women in you know where whatever. Yeah. That doesn't that yeah. doesn't happen to us, and I'm using quotation marks under mm-hmm. us because we are middle class or we live in Westchester, New York, or whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, we live, you know, that doesn't happen in this community, you know, that kind of thing. And, you know, when you're in your 20s, you believe that. It doesn't happen in Westchester, you know, or it does, but we don't talk about it. Although very few miles south of Westchester is the Bronx. And in the Bronx, Mm -hmm. where you have a lot of people who are black, that's when people look at black women like, well, are you dumb? Right. Right. Yeah. And so maybe next week that could be another topic. But it, and it should be. Statistically, it, you know, it does happen to different, different, different income brackets. Correct. Right, and it yes. and, and it, and it happens to immigrant girl? women. You know, yeah. and that's part of the whole. You know, not to get off topic, but it it happens to immigrant women and. Uh, you know, undocumented women who don't have the ability to go to the police in certain places in this country, which is why sanctuary cities are so fucking important. Which, again, forget, forget sanctuary cities. Let's just go back to the fact that there's a certain population in this country that happen to have, I don't know, penises and balls. Which has... (laughs) Who, who, you know, think that they have more control over women than they deserve. Right. Absolutely. And so, I mean, for that, you know, I mean, as far as the, you know, uh, you know, socially, socially, you know, social economic scale, whatever, it happens in every, every group. Some groups are hit way worse than others. But, you know, bottom line is it shouldn't be something that they sh- they need to be given a voice and they need to be given a hand out. Um, and by hand out, I mean out of the situation. Or a hand um, up. Yeah. Right. And hand so, out, hand up. I, you know, no after... No penises and balls. <laughs> after anyway. working in, in, in those... Um, you know, as on the uh, rape hotline and uh, the domestic abuse project, you know, some of the things that you see in here are just horrific. And, and, but so many women that got out have so much courage and so many women that are still in the situation also have courage. Um, but they just haven't found a way out yet and they need to find a way out. Um, and they need a safe person and they need a way to maybe squirrel money away somewhere so they can get out and get somewhere where the person's not going to be able to find them. And how they can uh, you find know. that person is by going to our Twitter at Radio Resistor, yes. where I have tweeted the Assaulted Women Helpline, 
which um, you can call at 866-863-0511. Or you can call 211 and find the domestic violence safe house in your area. All right, Suze, you're in charge of the Twitter. I'm already you're in charge of our. I'm already on it. I'm, you're in charge I'm up of to date. Twitter. Yeah, just do it, do it, do it. And I'll I already did it. it. I already did it. Done. And I'm, I'm also I'm following. And I'm also following Stormy Daniels, and Leslie Morgensteiner. <laughs> but good. I think it's about time we uh, wrap stuff up and said goodbye. Any final thoughts? I just did my final thoughts. Call two one one and. Eight six six eight six three zero five eleven. 863 But any other final thoughts for either of you before we wrap up? Um, all I would say is anybody who knows anyone that is in that situation or you're in that situation yourself, uh, find a safe person to discuss it with, put away some money to get out, and please talk to someone locally uh, just so you understand because a lot of people don't. They do not. It's all anonymous. They don't give out your information. If they abs, if they call you, they call you from uh, a number that cannot be traced back to that organization. So your person doesn't know that there is something going on, and that you're trying to get help and you're trying to go to a shelter. And those shelters in your area are safe houses. Um, you don't have to worry about anything happening. And you need to, uh, if you need to get out get out as quickly as possible. I do have a parting shot. Oh. I knew it. If you, you always say it, you don't and then you do, but I know you actually I know because this is not a, this is you. not all Is it a recipe? Is <laughs> how I roll. It's not a recipe. I'm proud oh. of you. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. If if you are a woman who is in a situation where you are experiencing domestic violence, Do what you can do based on everything that we talked about here tonight. However, if your partner or whoever is is putting you in danger, if you know that they have a gun, call your state. Mm -hmm. Call your state police. Call your local representatives. Call your local police department. Just call them. Tell them. There's a gun in the house. Cover your ass. I know that sounds really simplistic. But just make That's a phone fine. call. That's fine. Even if you don't have, you know, a, a restraining order, just say, hey, um, I just want you to know I'm Jane Doe. I live at 000 Smith Street, and there are guns in this house. Just do that. So this way, God forbid something happens, There's just cover yourself. That's that's yeah. all I got. That's good. Good. But um, Very last good. Tuesday I did um, <laughs> tweet on the Radio Resistor website. March for your life and March for <gasps> our lives is coming up this Saturday. And, Saturday. Um, yeah, and and I was like, I wonder what this is about. So you go to March for your lives, and it's through everytown.org, and you put your zip code in, and they will tell you where the march is closest to you. There is one 10 miles away from me. There is one 20 miles away from me. There is one 15 miles away from me. There's going to be a lot of them. So Are you yeah, going? I, I think I might, but I do have a meeting in the morning, Saturday morning. So okay. I'm getting out. Are you, 
It starts at 11, and I'm getting out at 11, so... Oh, yeah. yours starts at 11? So yeah, ours yeah. starts at 9, but I'll yeah. be, so, be there. So, you can get there late. Yeah, so, that's true. I'll be there. So, are you going, Rain? I'm, I'm sure you're going, right? I, duh. <laughs> I mean, duh. Yes, I'm I going. Go once, yes, I want to go once with you and, and like, hang out all day in D.C. That's what I want to do. But, yeah, I'm going because... Uh, DC. Cause DC. So yes. Well there's one in Cleveland and there's one in Medina and there's one in Strongsville and there's one in Berea and it's like, my gosh, this is happening. It's happening. Um here in here in DC mm-hmm. it is expected that it's gonna be over half a million people. Holy shit. That's like yeah. that's like uh Obama numbers. Yeah. That's that's more than the people who live in DC. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's good. just Holy but, shit! That's gonna say that's gonna say a lot if it's gonna be that many. Holy yeah, shit! Yeah, that's that's. You right. might want to try to get there early. <laughs> yeah, we got plans. I got plans <laughs> because right. Bob Bob has to go to a, a beer judging thing, and uh, so he's got to be there by seven in the morning. So he's yeah. gonna drive me up, drop nice. me up. He's gonna kick me out of the truck. Boom! <laughs> get out! Get out, woman! Get that. But uh, yeah. So I here's the thing. Yeah. Because I know our show is going to air on Friday night. Yes. Everybody who's listening, go to a march. Yes. Even if you can't make it to DC, Do go it, to. Go, yes. It's go. March. Bring your kids. March. Bring your kids. Bring your husband. Bring your. Mom, bring I your want, dog. I to be a part of the women's you march. You should bring your I dog, want this Rain. one to be bigger. No, I can't bring the dogs. No, they wouldn't go? <laughs> no, because, you know, the thing is, is that it's going to be so big. They're going to lose that their mind people are gonna that get people? Hung- they're going to get hungry. Oh. And <laughs> I don't want South or North Korean barbecue. Oh. I'm not going to let them eat the dogs. All right, your dogs are cute. I've seen pictures. I want to eat them. Cute. They are adorable. They're very adorable. All right. On that note, yeah. Go to your marches. Bring water. Um, be warm. Bring gloves for those of us in the north, because for some reason the winter won't freaking end. So bring yeah. good shoes for marching, and don't forget yes. to um. Put your attorney's phone number on your arm. Why not? Yes. <laughs> Why not? Oh, that's, because. Oh, that's right. That's right. If they take your cell been... phone, you're not going to remember your attorney's phone number. Duh. <laughs> oh, I have two attorneys. All I have to do is have my phone and I can, I have two attorneys. But what if I they take your to. phone away from you? So just write it on permanent marker on your arm. Oh. Put your shirt over it. You'll be fine. <laughs> It'll be fine. That's I'm telling you. I went into the bust um bust information on on how to you know how to protest, and that was one of the things. Like put your important information on your arm with in a sharpie marker, because if they take your phone away from you, you won't have that number. So okay, oh, or you can tattoo it. Yeah, well, you could. T- <laughs> that's crazy. Like I want my lawyer's oh, number. Is it really? Yes. Is it really? <laughs> Yes. People change their phone numbers. You know what I mean? You know what I mean? Sorry, everybody. Go march on Saturday. Thank you for listening. And we'll talk about it next week on Resistor Sisters.
Bye, sisters. Resistor Sisters. Destroying the patriarchy one podcast at a time.